Fit, active, healthy, happy, enjoying the prime of your life. Looking out for your health and wellness, this is Health Talk with Fred Lowry from Lowry Drug in Statesville. Call now to ask Fred your health questions, 704-873-1400, 704-873-1400. You can also visit Fred at his store, conveniently located on Hartness Road in Statesville. Good afternoon, this is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine, and this is Health Talk. Lowry Drug on Hartness Road in Statesville was established in 1959. We are a traditional pharmacy uh, with a state-of-the-art compounding lab. We've offered a full line of uh, medical equipment supplies, including CPAP, scooters, and oxygen. Uh, We have a full line of supplements, nutritionals, herbs, essential oils, homeopathics, and more. Come see us on Hartness Road. This program is intended to share knowledge and information based on my research and experience. It's not intended to offer individual advice and does not replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. Your daily choices have more to do with your health than anyone in the healthcare field. And as I, as I say that too, I, I, want, I want to say, you know, as I try to cover uh, subject matter, you know, it's pretty much impossible to be all-inclusive on every aspect of it. So I, I, I'm sure there are things that, I've, that I occasionally miss. I'm, there's plenty that I know and plenty that I don't know, <laughs> probably more that I, that I don't. Um, so uh, and, and the other thing I would tell you, I, I do appreciate uh, information from uh, people that come in the store, customers, phone calls. Uh, your calls because uh, a lot of times you'll bring up things that uh, maybe I missed or um, you know th- other aspects. Uh, so uh, hopefully we we just learn from each other uh, with this uh, program. Uh, in the news, um, as reported by the uh, Epic Times, their headline: FDA and CDC hid data on spike in COVID cases among vaccinated. So, uh, you know, we were, uh, our cases were soaring uh, mid-21. A uh, service was contracted, the uh, Humatrex, H-U-M-E-T-R-I-X cloud service, contracted by the U.S. military, which is kind of interesting, to analyze data on the performance of, of the uh, shots and the boosters. Uh, they found that, a, uh, that the uh, proportion of total COVID-19 cases among seniors was increased uh, among uh, vaccinated people. So basically, uh, the people that were vaccinated seemed to have uh, more cases of COVID than the unvaccinated. Uh, for the week ending July 31st, 1921, post-vaccination COVID cases represented 73% of the cases among people 65 and older. So the ones that were vaccinated in that group 73% of the, of the cases were, were vaccinated. Uh, breakthrough infection rates were higher am, among the vaccinated earlier. Um, 
So it, it's uh, it, it also showed that uh, protection against hospitalization was fading. The week ending July thirty first, nineteen twenty uh, twenty twenty one. I'm sorry. Sixty three percent of the COVID nineteen hospitalizations in seniors were among the fully vaccinated. So, you know, if you recall during that, that whole time, most of the uh, information coming out was the people that were going in the hospitals were not vaccinated. <clears throat> was not true. It was uh, known that that wasn't true then. Uh, so th this, this cohort analysis uh, was on 20 million Medicare beneficiaries. Uh, so it's... Uh, it's a fairly interesting thing and that also the CDC and, and the FDA um, had this information, did not disclose it, disclose it. They still haven't, as far as I know. Uh, this information was made available through the Freedom of Information Act. Uh, we probably would never uh, seen that at all. So both uh, agencies uh, have promoted uh, obviously the COVID-19 vaccinations throughout the, the pandemic um, and they continue to do so. Uh, in a bulletin uh, from the CDC, this was dated August the 23rd, uh, their risk assessment for uh, the, the SARS-CoV-2 uh, uh, changes in, in the, the variants uh, and they say, based on what the CDC knows now, existing tests used to detect and medications used to treat COVID appear to be effective with this variant BA2.86. Now, I, I don't know how you can uh, make such a claim at this point, uh, but appear to be, I guess, is the way uh, that qualifies. Um, so, it, it, and it may, uh, this variant may be capable of causing infection in people who had previously had COVID-19 or received COVID-19 vaccinations. So, uh, they're, they're saying that either way uh, you could get the virus. Uh, that may or may not be true. Uh, scientists are also evaluating the effectiveness of the forthcoming updated COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, the CDC's current assessment is that the updated vac vaccination will be effective at reducing severe disease and hospitalization. We just reviewed that uh, with this uh, U.S. Army uh, uh, or military uh, study that uh, that's not true. Uh, and uh, anybody in the community can pretty much observe that and make their own, take their own conclusions about that. Uh, so at this point, uh, there is no evidence that the variant is causing more severe illness. So, uh, and their preventive actions basically is get your vaccine, stay at home if you're sick, get tested uh, if you need to, uh, seek treatment if you're at high risk. Uh, and if you choose to wear a mask, wear a high-quality one that fits your nose and mouth, uh, improve uh, ventilation, wash your hands. Uh, still no um, other information about maybe promoting uh, 
you know, some supplements that, that a lot of doctors, in, you know, in the community were recommending for people that got sick. Vitamin C, zinc, quercetin, and acetylcysteine, uh, those types of things. So uh, that's, uh, uh, it, it, go, it continues to go on. We're going to continue to see the recommendation for that. I had a customer in the store recently uh, this week that uh, the recommendation was for her to get uh, the, the new COVID shots to continue the boosters, get your flu shot, get your RSV shot. Uh, those choices are, are up to you. We're coming up on a break. We'll be back in a moment. This is Fred Lowry, and this is Health Talk. Been there, done that. Mind makes a promise that your body can't fill. <laughs> yeah, I, I think as we uh, as we age, in, in my mind, I still think I can do all the things that I used to. Physically, not quite. So, um, and that brings up uh, the next topic is collagen. Uh, so, uh, collagen is a protein. It's the most abundant. Uh, protein in the body is compromises or com compromises <laughs> comprises about 30 percent of your uh, total body protein found in your skin connective tissue tendons ligaments cartilage uh, con other connective tissue bone uh, it's very important for bone organs blood vessels hair skin uh, nails uh, everything Primary purpose is to provide uh, structural scaffolding for uh, tissue to allow things to stretch and be flexible. You know, we kind of need that. So, and of course, as you age, you, uh, you seem to lose more collagen, and, and that results in things like uh, wrinkles, skin sagging, uh, hair that may uh, not be quite as uh, full of luster. So, uh, you know, if you, if you have adequate collagen, your skin soft, uh, smooth, firm, uh, and, and it's really important for uh, repair and uh, renewal. And, and so uh, one other comment on that would be that if you, if you have a wound or a wound care issue, collagen is really important for that kind of healing. So um, there's... Uh, course concepts with uh, uh, animal protein uh, vegetarians of course avoid that but you know eating uh, collagen rich foods on a daily basis is helpful uh, and 
if you're just strictly a meat eater, that's you're not going to get the collagen. And probably if you're uh, strictly vegetarian, you may not be able to do that as well. So it's found in um, the bone broth, you know, as you make chicken soup, um, or whether it may be uh, beef soup, uh, it's found in fish, um, eggs, uh, natural source of uh, collagen. Uh, but of course, uh, vegetarians don't uh, want to uh, be involved with those uh, animal type sources. So, uh, you know, there, there are many things about uh, collagen that, that it are also important. It, it, it uh, helps improve your sleep, helps with uh, joint stiffness and pain, improves digestion, improves, improves blood uh, pressure. So if you, uh, you know, all that connective tissue and the elasticity of the blood vessels uh, has to do with collagen. Uh, there's a recommendation to get about 10 to 15 grams of collagen a day. Uh, it uh, has proteins in it that helps uh, reduce inflammation. Uh, so all, all of this is, is, is really important. And people don't realize, too, that the bone is, is uh, made up of quite a bit of collagen. And the minerals that are, are in the bone help uh, help make up that that bone tissue and it with along with the collagen so that that's what makes bones more flexible as well so uh, muscle meats uh, very low in collagen beef uh, that type of thing uh, and and they're they're also high in proteins that are not necessarily positive for you that are uh, uh, pro-inflammation uh you know tryptophan is one of them uh some of that inhibits uh, thyroid function uh in inhibits mitochondrial energy uh production more inflammation and is somewhat immunosuppressing uh, collagen uh is reported also to have anti-tumor act actions so, Joe, the, uh, one, a couple of things that they uh, to get a lot of collagen, I'm sure you're going to like this, is uh, eating uh, fish head soup. I've never had fish head soup. So, uh, you know, what they would do is take, you know, take fish heads and, and cook them, um, you know, in the same way that you may uh, do bone broth. And of course, you remove the fish heads, you know, but that that gives you, uh, you know, that that broth that that has a lot of collagen, and cooked collagen becomes gelatin, not jello, but 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 gelatin. So there there are other uh, recommendations that, uh, in terms of getting collagen from uh, from you know things like fish head soup. Uh, that most people aren't going to do uh, chicken foot soup, you know, where you you, you cook those uh, head cheese, uh, all kinds of things like that. But yeah, I think the the more uh, acceptable uh, method would be bone broth and uh, real chicken soup. You know, taking the whole chicken and and cooking that. Interestingly enough, when you when you eat more muscle meat. Um, 
you get more formation of serotonin. Now, you might think that that's a good thing because that's supposed to be associated with uh, being depressed or not. <coughs> uh, but uh, serotonin actually stimulates the formation of more cortisol. So, and, and with that, you're uh, suppressing thyroid function. So that's your, your metabolic uh, gas pedal. So, uh, you know, I think it's important to eat, uh, you know, protein, but you've got to keep it in balance. And, and there are people that just want to eat beef or, or, or whatever. So, and some, some individuals don't do well with beef. Uh, there's uh, there's also a lot of sugar in beef that, that people don't don't realize, and there's actually a um, I forget the term, but uh, there's a um, a new uh, condition where people that uh, become allergic to beef, and it's related to tick bites. So they become allergic to the type of sugars in meats. Uh, Another thing about collagen, it, it may be very helpful for people with bleeding conditions, uh, you know, continual uh, bloody nose, uh, excessive uh, menstrual bleeding, uh, ulcers, uh, all kinds of things like that. Go ahead, Jeff. I found it. You found it. What you found? I found it. It's called alpha-gal syndrome. Yeah. It uh, basically makes, yeah, it makes you allergic to red meat. Yeah. So I think the... Uh, the the uh, sugar there, uh, galact is it galactulose or something like Three that? Three galactulose. Yeah. So that's yes. that's the sugar that you become allergic to. Interesting though, uh, you know, uh, and I'm I'm not sure the mechanism of that, but it does exist. So you know that may be something to be aware of if you uh, if you become allergic to beef and then. You, know, you you may want to investigate to see if you have tick-borne illness. What would a tick be carrying that could cause you to just randomly become allergic to something that you eat That's, almost daily? Yeah, it, it's it, it, they carry so many different things, so many different uh, organisms. So um, that's uh, that's where your your insect repellent's got to come back in, right? Yeah, oh, it does protect. I'm I'm pretty sure it says it protects against spiders and ticks. So yeah, helpful. Yeah, oh, yeah. <coughs> so um, the suggested maintenance dose is about 20 grams of collagen per day. If you have an injury, you may need as much as 40 grams. Uh, vitamin C is also helpful with that. Uh, we have a uh, collagen product that. Uh, that I use personally, and we also have the uh, gelatin powder there as well at the store. Uh, so I use uh, collagen in my morning smoothie, which uh, I've included hammer, uh, vegan protein powder, uh, the collagen, uh, psyllium fiber, which is organic. You want to make sure if you get uh, psyllium fiber that it is organic. Put chia seeds in there, blueberries. Uh, I have a, a liquid uh, multivitamin. And occasionally I'll put some uh, diatomaceous earth in there for a source of uh, silica. So that's, uh, and some people put collagen in their coffee, but uh, I think, you know, as, as we age, supplementing with collagen either through foods or, or, or a supplement uh, is uh, pretty important. So, uh, 
like I said, you, uh, the other part with this, if if you're if you have gastrointestinal issues, you may want to go with the gelatin form versus versus the collagen. <coughs> um, and once again, I would avoid uh, Jello products. You don't want something with sugar. I'm not sure that even uh, that there's even any gelatin in there. But originally, you know, it, the, the idea was you know, you would get gelatin and uh, you know it have the the uh, the building blocks for that, and it was supposed to be nutritious. And then you know they put colors in it and uh, sugar and all kinds of things. So not necessarily the best choice at this time. So uh, we're coming up on a break. Uh, we'll be back shortly. Welcome back to Health Talk. This is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine. The next topic... Um, Microplastics, as if we needed something to worry about. I'm going to be scared during this segment, I feel like. Just terrified. You know, you, you kind of hear about these things, and they, they you know, and then you kind of, well, I don't know. You know, and then something, something will come up that will make you, or at least makes me look into it a little more. But, you know, it's like... Uh, one one more thing to think about, but I, I, I'm going to tell you that uh, there are some some things you can do to to minimize this. Uh, you know, practical things that, are, that don't cost any money. So uh, apparently, microplastics are the uh, one of the most common uh, pollutants on the earth, uh, found in the air, the water systems, uh, the food chain. Uh, this is apparently very well documented. Um, there's a professor, uh, Jamie Ross, uh, from the University of Rhode Island, uh, conducted a study on the effect of microplastic exposure. So microplastics have been found in uh, organ systems in the body, including the brain, the heart, uh, all, just about everywhere. So uh, she was analyzing neurobehavioral effects and inflammatory responses to microplastic exposures and uh, accumulating in tissues, uh, including the brain. So apparently these microplastic exposures are also linked to behavioral changes, especially in older animal subjects. Now this was an animal-related uh, study. They exposed young and old mice to different levels of microplastics via the drinking water for three weeks. And uh, with this, this actually induced behavioral changes and alterations in immune markers and the liver and the brain tissue. They noticed that the mice uh, began to move and behave uh, more peculiarly, exhibiting behaviors uh, similar, similar to those uh, behaviors uh, in, uh, caused by dementia in, in humans. And it was worse in the older mice. 
So the, the, the most striking thing about this was even though they didn't use high doses of microplastics, they still uh, saw a significant change over a short period of, of time. So, uh, you know, questions, you know, if, as you age, are you more susceptible to them? Uh, does your body get rid of them? Uh, apparently, these microplastics do accumulate in, in all organs, uh, you know, in, in including uh, the brain, gastrointestinal tract, obviously, uh, heart, kidney, lungs, spleen, and they also bioaccumulate in every organ. Uh, and it seems that drinking water seems to be the most prevalent way of, of getting these microplastics uh, uh, so uh, the question is also about, you know, how this happens. Um, something known as the blood-brain barrier, which is the protective mechanism against viruses and bacteria for the brain. Uh, these microplastics were able to pass through that and had been found in uh, deep in brain tissue. Uh, so, and, and there's also a, uh, it causes a, a decrease in a particular protein that supports uh, many of the, the cell processes in the brain and is linked with neurodegenerative diseases. Uh, so, you know, plastics uh, are slow to biodegrade, uh, and, and as they do with, the, you know, they, they basically uh, photodegrade. Uh, and so, you know, as they as they're in the sun, <coughs> they break down, and you know it, it makes uh, makes things worse. Uh, it's, I guess this is probably, <coughs> pardon, the the reason uh, for all these microplastics, uh, other than plastics are everywhere. You know things that we use. So. Uh, Tap water samples, apparently 94.4% uh, of tap water samples contain plastic. Uh, the same is true for uh, a lot of the bottled water that uh, is there. You know, the thinner the plastic uh, that, uh, you know, for bottled water, the worse uh, it can become. So, you, you know, you've got this in food and packaging, uh, personal care products, fragrances, uh, apparently uh, also in tattoo ink residues. Uh, so, but still drinking water is probably the, the worst, uh, the worst uh, source of that. So uh, what do you do about that? Uh, do not purchase uh, ready to eat uh, or ready to heat products uh, like bowl in the bag products. Not a good idea. If you get it, you know, frozen food in a plastic bag, take it out of the bag before you cook it. Um, try not to buy fruit in in a seal in sealed plastic. <coughs> Avoid heating anything in plastic. I, I still see people heating up food in the microwave in plastic. That's a terrible idea. It, it, just co cooking with microwave is a terrible idea to begin with. But if you're gonna do it. Put put it in glass. You know it is it, it's, it's terrible. You know plastics. It's not just the the microplastics, but uh, these things are hormone mimickers. We have no 
a lot of times we don't have any idea what was happening and particularly when you know this stuff gets in the brain i mean that's it's crazy uh, avoid uh, consuming food or beverages that, that that come in plastic you know if you uh if you take your uh lunch to work you know get some glass containers to, to put that in uh i would drink uh, filtered tap water over bottled water uh, i'm soon to have a a, a new type of uh, filter uh, picture system that i think is a, a really good choice uh, uh, that's uh, very soon on the way um, so uh, tap water over bottled water uh, you know there, there are clothing now that have plastics in it so try to stay with uh, natural fibers uh, carpet can have uh, such things in it you know as well so um, you know this, these are these are things to minimize the exposure you know you are not going to uh, cover it all but certainly you can minimize that exposure <clears throat> next cop topic uh, and we're not going to be able to finish this one before the break but we'll we'll come back after the break and finish it uh, issues with uh, candida albicans which is uh, a yeast infection so uh, you know one of the things that happens and you know, with antibiotic use and, and a poor diet uh, on top of that is people can get yeast infections that uh, can manifest uh, as uh, thrush like the white coating on the tongue and by the way if you've got that you know it's probably in uh, you know throughout your entire intestines it's not just localized to that area uh, you can have skin issues all kinds of different different problems but it, it, the most important thing is if you take an antibiotic is make sure you take a good probiotic uh, the one that I've had the best success with is by Natural Creations called Interobiotic SBO, which is 14 strains of the good bacteria and soil-based organisms, which aid in digestion. So a lot of digestive issues uh, do relate to, to chronic yeast infections. And there is a correlation between that and chronic fatigue, chronic pain, fibromyalgia-type symptoms. Um, and if you focus on just killing the yeast, you'll, you'll never really solve this problem. You, you still have to uh, address your diet because uh, yeast is a very pervasive product. So, the, you know, the gut flora plays a big role in this. But when, you're, when you eat uh, a lot of carbs sugar you're just feeding that yeast and you think about it uh, the way you make alcohol is yeast and sugar so now you've got i mean you can actually become drowsy if you have a candida infection and you're uh, loading up on sugar <coughs> so uh, this when when you get these situations this is where the yeast becomes more pathogenic. So the yeast, the candida in your body is there normally. It's part of your, your normal flora. But when your in, internal environment changes, then things go bad. I, I will tell you, 
that uh, the, the vitamin uh, known as biotin uh, is could be uh, helpful in pe- with people that are having yeast issues uh, because it helps uh, suppress the yeast changing into more a more aggressive form. Biotin B seven or or vitamin uh, H is they're all the same uh, the same supplement. We're coming up on a break. We'll be back with more. Welcome back. This is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine. This is Health Talk. We were talking about uh, candida and yeast infections. Um, so uh, there are a couple of uh, maybe not so obvious signs of uh, candida uh, overgrowth. Uh, some people develop, uh, will suddenly get uh, food sensitivities. Uh, maybe have uh, unusual discomfort uh, in the gut. Uh, bloating and gas is a uh, is a very common problem because, as, as you know, with, you know, through fermentation with the yeast and, and sugar, uh, you do create uh, gas, uh, off gas with that. Uh, fatigue, uh, odd skin issues, uh, uh, vaginitis can become an issue. Of course, uh, and actually constipation or, or diarrhea. So one, one of the things that uh, a, a doctor that uh, wrote a book on uh, yeast, uh, Chiato, C-H-A-I-T-O-W, uh, noticed that uh, a lot of people that have uh, candida symptoms have uh, uh, issues with improper breathing. And so uh, people that are under stress, they don't, they don't breathe properly. And uh, that, that can be an issue. So uh, I, I'm assuming that poor oxygenation uh, is, is an issue uh, that you know, helps, uh, helps yeast grow. So uh, breathing pattern disorders uh, are apparently very common with this. Uh, one of the recommendations is to familiarize yourself with the Butico breathing techniques. Butico, B-U-T-E-Y-K-O. It's a physiologist that studied breathing patterns and health issues. And uh, you can look it up. Uh, there is a somewhat detailed, although you can simplify it, I think, pretty easily. And basically, it's... Uh, promoting uh, breathing through your nose, uh, not your mouth, uh, slowing your breathing down. Uh, one of the things that's helpful with the nose uh, breathing versus mouth breathing is that, you know, there, there is a, a, a more of an immune uh, impact there in terms of filtration. And you also make more nitric oxide, which is uh, important for the body. So if you, if you think about candida as a parasitic type uh, infection, uh, the way to, to deal with it once again with diet is to, to starve it. Uh, you want to start suppressing it naturally instead of killing it outright. And one of the things that can happen 
is that if you, you know, kill, have a big yeast kill, as an example, you're probably not going to feel very good. Uh, you can have what's known as a Herxheimer reaction. Your body's trying to deal with all of the uh, uh, the waste from that. Uh, one other thing that is can be important is sometimes heavy metal toxicity is associated with uh, excessive yeast. So uh, you might even think about it as you know, asking why is the yeast that there, so to speak, is it is it there because of the the diet? Is it there because of the antibiotic use, uh, or is there something else uh, going on there? <coughs> uh, drugs that other drugs that can contribute to this. <coughs> Pardon me a moment. Take a sip of water. Uh, is uh, steroids, steroid hormones. Uh, oral contraceptives, uh, these things can predispose you to candida growth. So uh, basically the, the big thing is to stop feeding that yeast. <coughs> uh, another thing that, that may be of a concern would be uh, eating animals that are raised in uh, concentrated animal feed operations. So uh, in doing that, you know, when you have animals or, or anything in concentrated areas, uh, there's more of a risk for uh, infection, which means they have to use more antibiotics. And uh, so you, you, know, you may be, if you're having a yeast issue, you could be passively picking up antibiotics from, from the meat. So uh, <coughs> that could be a, a significant uh, uh, area of exposure uh, most, as with most recommendations eat uh, unprocessed food as much as possible the Mediterranean type diet uh, may be important uh, there are drugs that are used for this commonly and uh, Diflucan is one of them uh, Diflucan is also known to have issue, uh, uh, alter issues with uh, your adrenal system. So that could be another, another issue. Now, statin is a very commonly used drug. Uh, so topically, you know, yeast infections, uh, not, you have nystatin uh, creams and powders, uh, people that have uh, oral uh, yeast infections, uh, nystatins used for that. Uh, those can be very uncomfortable too, by the way. Uh, so uh, nystatin can, is uh, probably one of the more common uh, medications uh, for that. So, uh, you know, another thing is to, uh, other than your probiotic supplement, you can also use uh, homemade fermented vegetables uh, uh, can, can be be of help. Fiber can can be helpful. Uh, it I think is pretty difficult to in some cases to get the recommended amount of fiber without some kind of supplementation. You certainly get a lot of fiber from vegetables, but when you're looking at uh, 40 to 70 grams uh, recommendation uh, of fiber, uh, that that's pretty hard to achieve in some cases. Uh, the other thing is some of these uh, 
sometimes the, the fiber like psyllium uh, for some people um, can be constipating, which is kind of unusual because normally that particular fiber can work either way. If you're constipated, it can help relieve that constipation. If you have diarrhea, <coughs> it can uh, you know, firm up the stool as well. So that's uh, something else to, to think about. Uh, psyllium fiber is my primary go-to for that. Other uh, supplements that uh, may be helpful, uh, caprylic acid, which is a medium chain triglyceride uh, found, uh, found in coconut oil. So coconut oil may be helpful in that case. <coughs> Berberine, we've talked about that, uh, which helps uh, maintain uh, blood sugar balance. Uh, there's also an antibacterial anti-inflammatory and uh, it, it may be helpful as well. Uh, interestingly enough, aloe uh, is uh, touted to be helpful uh, in, in that, that, uh, that venue as well. So there, there's all kinds of uh, uh, things to do. And, you know, one of the things that, that happens with, with people in terms of their health issue or health issues is where do you start? How do you how do you make these changes? Because typically we become over focused on one thing or or another. And when you know, as an example, if you're focused on the candida, there's there's going to be other things uh, involved in this. There's a uh, uh, always more than one factor. Got a call. We'll see if we can get this in before the break. Hello, caller. Uh, you're on the air. You have a question or a comment? Guess not. Hello. Sorry about that. So, so one of the things uh, to always remember is is start with the basics, the foundations, things, the things that we've talked about. You know, that's uh, that's where you're you're going to get the best bang for your buck. And you know, an illness is generally never one thing. It's multifactorial. It's a lot of things that have come together to create a particular situation. Now, you might have a not well sense moment, which means something happened. And, you know, as an example, there's a lot of people out there that got the COVID shot, and they, ha they have that not well sense situation. Uh, you know, there, that certainly is a factor, or there could be other things. I've heard people, you know, just getting an insect sting and then, that be the not well sense moment, but generally there's there could have been have been things that set you up for that situation, and and those are the things that can be helpful. It would be helpful to identify. <coughs> Pardon. Uh, so some more more to think about. Uh, try to take care of yourself. Uh, try to improve your diet. Uh, it's helpful to to sit down and, and write out a plan. I have my my clients do that quite often. What's your plan? How are you going to fix this? When do you have time to fix it? Come see us at Lowry Drug on Hartness Road. This is Fred Lowry, pharmacist and doctor of natural medicine, and this is Health Talk. <laughs> 